Attention culture consumers. Join me, the queen of queries, Sarah O'Connor and my band of nerdy knights. Colleen McMillan. Flo Siegel. And Anders Drew. On Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms, especially that Star Wars galaxy far, far away. Listen each week as we examine the stories that mean so much to us. Bohemian Geek Studies is available wherever you get your podcasts and is proudly part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hello there, I'm Colleen. I'm Anders. And I'm Daniel. We're three nerds that met through our love of science fiction and fantasy storytelling. Of course, one of our favorites is George Lucas's signature achievement, Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet definitely doesn't have enough of, it's nerds talking about Star Wars. So here we are with yet another Star Wars podcast, where each week we discuss one of the films in the current Star Wars canon. From the sands of Tatooine to the levels of Coruscant, we cover it all. Yet another Star Wars podcast is available wherever you get your podcast and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith. And I'm Andrew Tahada. I am a blurred with a love for artwork and comics and animation. And I'm a freelance writer with a love for pretty much the same things. We grew up together and spent our formative years watching and talking about DC superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do. Every episode, we will discuss a film and its connection to the DC animated movie universe, compare it to its original source material, and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. This is yet another DC Animated Podcast. Welcome to yet another episode of yet another DC Animated Podcast. My name is Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I'm Andrew Tahada, codename Arate. Andrew and I have known each other since 1996. That was the year the U.S. Dream Team won the Olympics in Atlanta in our oh. home, home country. Yes, they did it. A team that could accomplish anything. Yes, I love it because it reminds me so much of our team today. And that team stands for truth, justice, and just killing everything in their way. <laughs> no survivors. <laughs> Not even themselves. <laughs> no, no. And that movie we're talking about today is Suicide Squad, Hell to Pay. And I already love this title, man. Like, Oh, it's... yeah. From the start, they're like getting it right. So this movie was directed by Sam Liu. He is back in the directorial seat where he's going to be for a while. And this 20, starting with this 2018 film based off the characters in the Suicide Squad comic book series. Uh, we're back to rated R, Andrew. Oh, we're... yes, we are. <laughs> 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 so we like to take this moment real quick to just let you know that if you have any kids listening to that, please parental advisory is advised. Uh, yep. <laughs> at a runtime of 86 minutes, we meet our new team of straight up villains, these cold blooded villains with Christian Slater as Deadshot. Vanessa Williams is Amanda Waller. I got to say real quick that already pulling in Christian Slater and Vanessa Williams into an animated film, that's some cred right there. Oh, yes. They they got elite casting mm -hmm. for this, and it, it they definitely pay off. Oh, yeah. And then continue on with some voice acting royalty with Tara Strong coming in as Harley Quinn. 
Liam McIntyre, who some people you might know him as the Weather Wizard in the CW Flash TV series. He's back to play another Flash villain as Captain Boomerang in this film. Uh, we got some voice acting from Billy Brown, who you might know from How to Get Away with Murder. He's voicing Ben Turner, a.k.a. the Bronze Tiger. Finally, we have wrapping up, we have Kristen Bauer Van Stratton as Killer Frost, Gideon Emery as Copperhead, and I think this is probably my favorite casting of all. C. Thomas Howell as Earbar Thon, Professor yes. Zoom, Reverse Flash. Yes. Oh, man. This guy is so sinister. He, you got to have that voice to play any version of Reverse Flash, Zoom, whatever you want to call him. And he does it. He nails it 100%. All right, so let's start talking about this movie. Let's dive in, where we are seeing a bit of a flashback, it seems, of this other form of the Suicide Squad, not on the poster of the movie that we see here. (laughs) So if you walk in, you didn't walk into the wrong movie. This is the same movie. (laughs) Yes, we are seeing Amanda Waller has dispatched Task Force X, and that team consists of Count Vertigo, we have, uh, I believe they're called Punch and Julie. Yes. And I, I did not know this until I saw the movie. But Punch and Julie, they look like jesters, big clowns. They're mm. a loving couple. They actually came out before Joker and Harley Quinn. So they they predate them. I thought, I was like, this is a blatant ripoff. But they're actually <laughs> very, very old and very, very crazy. Emphasis on the crazy. And the last person that we have on the team is Deadshot. He is seems to be taking a backseat to leadership, if, according to the team. They're walking around in a submarine. They're heading to their new target, Tobias Whale. Amanda Waller has told them that Tobias Whale has stolen a flash drive that has a lot of intel on it, a lot of leaked intelligence, and it's up to this new t- team right here to get that flash drive back by any means necessary. There is a great line from Amanda Waller right away where uh, Punch and Julie are making out on the mission just for some reason. (laughs) And Amanda Waller steps in and goes, the only one getting satisfied tonight is me. And we're like, okay, Amanda. All right. We got you. (laughs) At the end, I will reveal how many named villains die. I won't say how many just regular people die because there's way too many to count. But I, I have the count of how many villains are going to die in this because the, the count is high. <laughs> oh, man, it is bad. And we already see right here that this is such an R-rated film because there are, you you see every gunshot, you see every decapitation, this, mm-hmm. just anything that deals with bodily harm, it happens in the first five minutes of this film. Deadshot and Vertigo leave absolutely no witnesses. Nope. It doesn't, doesn't matter if you were a train conductor, just an IT guy on the train, if you are seen alive, they will shoot you in, <laughs> in gruesome ways, a hundred thousand times. And they, they do all of this to get to Tobias Whale. Who is chilling in his submarine while somehow has also exotic dancers and entertainers in a submarine with his crew there. Wait, it was a train. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I was like, yeah. wait a minute. <laughs> My mistake, y'all. I'm actually going to backtrack that. There was a submarine at one point in this film, but we are currently on the train. <laughs> yeah, there is some submarine action, we promise. But yes, we are on the train. Things are moving along <laughs> as we are right now. Because Tobias Whale has now been told that 
his train is being attacked. And Tobias Well, I feel, gets this week's most jacked individual award. <laughs> oh my God. He put a hurt on Deadshot. Deadshot wears like 18 layers of body armor. Doesn't matter when Tobias Whale's meaty claws are all over you, just pounding you into the ground. Yes, and it's just wild because Tobias Whale is a villain that you probably, if you've seen Black Lightning, more associate with him. But this guy is a force within the DC universe. And he shows that as he's pummeling every single person, including Count Vertigo, who's only able to stop Tobias Whale by using his powers of having people experience Vertigo. (laughs) (laughs) yeah it it's normally very useful and effective but he uses his full powers against tobias and it does absolutely nothing so vertigo is like i'm screwed luckily punch comes in with his yo-yo spear thing Mm -hmm. and takes out tobias in an instant sneak attack and everybody is now just trying to collect themselves you get panned over to deadshot who's trying to collect himself as well yeah and As he's recovering, Vertigo puts him back down and reveals that Vertigo's going rogue. And Mm. Julie, for her part, kills Punch in the (sighs) worst divorce I have ever seen in the DC universe. Just a shot to the heart was that whole thing right there. Like, literally a shot to the heart because she sliced them through the heart. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, it's just a hole through him. And at this point, Deadshot reveals that Amanda knew this was going to happen. And he was in charge of the squad. So Amanda goes, I'm going to blow him up. Blows up Count Vertigo's head right away. And she's about to blow up Julie's. But Deadshot's like, I'll give a little bit of mercy. And just shoots her in the head. Because that's what equates to mercy in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) And the main reason, this is what my favorite line here was, Amanda Waller calls him out and it's like, oh, I guess you're getting soft. And he just says, nah, I I just wanted to save a little bit more on the dry cleaning. Look, I get it. Brains are hard to get out of your murder suit, especially when it's true. all those layers of body armor. So I get it. I sympathize. <laughs> so we now cut to our title screen, which is so awesome because it is we see the Suicide Squad held to pay. It's like very well animated because it's just getting shot up and it's just like some very cool sounding music. And then we jump to the future where we see that Waller is at the doctor. It's a... Mostly a scored fill scene of just her experiencing all these MRIs. And then the craziest things happen where it's just like, and I just feel that this is really ridiculous on from seeing it, was that she's being talked to by her doctor. And the doctor closes the folder that she has in her hand. And on it, it just says diagnosis terminal. Yep. They didn't even mince words here. They're like, you're, you're dead. Right. You're going to die. <laughs> so in the wake of the stews, She doesn't cry. She doesn't take a second. She just puts the squad back together. And we have the squad of Killer Frost, Bronze Tiger, Harley Quinn, Deadshot, Captain Boomerang, and uh, Snake Man? Uh, Copperhead? What's his name? (laughs) Yeah, Copperhead. (laughs) (laughs) And they also have an offhand comment about they do the typical thing. You know it by now. You can all say it along. Amanda Waller puts bombs in their necks. If they disobey, she'll blow them. And while they're talking about this, they're like, yeah, be careful not to move during the procedure. You don't want to end up like the ten-eyed man. And they're like, who's the ten-eyed man? The guy goes, exactly. (laughs) And just keeps going (laughs) with the procedure. 
they find out that their new task is to reach out to this guy. Like the most important thing about this guy is just like they just keep showing how physically fit he is, and also that he has the tattoo of an onk as a tramp stamp. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not not my personal choice for a tattoo, but okay, I get it. Not mm-hmm. not not a great location. As they go off to this mission that is off the books, they take an RV. Just to, that's how off the books it is. We get a glimpse that Reverse Flash is back in town. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, you know, we haven't seen him for a while since Flashpoint Paradox when he met his death. So this was like, oh, this is nice. We're seeing Reverse Flash show up again. It's nice to see them use him. And he's assembling another team that is going after what the squad is after and they all converge at a male strip club (laughs) i just love harley quinn in this scene because it's clear that like she's just trying to have the time of her life she's just running up into the crowd she's investigating in the back area putting air quotes around that (laughs) and as we see the dynamic of the team unfold more and more here we see that Harley Quinn, Killer Frost, and Deadshot are inside the strip club while Copperhead, Bronze Tiger, and Captain Boomerang are serving as surveillance in the van that they have. And Bronze Tiger here is definitely the guy who wants to stay on mission. He was described as the guy that if Deadshot wasn't in existence or if Bronze Tiger actually was willing to kill, he would have been the leader of the Suicide Squad. Oh, for and, innocent people. Oh, right. Yes. Waller makes that a very important distinction. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes, Ron Steiger will kill you if you... is. He's like Batman. He will kill you if you try to sell an ace in his neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Ron Steiger and Copperhead really have a fight right here at this moment as Ron Steiger is forcing him to stay inside the van because we are on mission. Doesn't make sense to try to leave right now because Copperhead is like, I want to go get some air. I want to experience the sights. And... It's just really crazy to see the fighting prowess of all these individuals in this one little confined space, because as they're, it provides a little bit of excitement during this um, kind of quiet scene, even though we're we're basically seeing people dance around in the strip club. <laughs> and Boomerang is impressed. Yes. <laughs> like, he's commenting on guys like, no bad, no bad. <laughs> and as they're thinking that this mission is a bust, there is one last performer who Harley Quinn did not see in the back. He pops out in a from a sarcophagus and he is dancing through. He's dressed in full-on pharaoh gear. Now, they notice the tattoo on his back and it's just like, that's our guy. We need to go ahead and bring him in now. But Reverse Flash's team is already on the scene as this guy by the name of Steel Maxim, kid you not. <laughs> yeah, Steel Maxim. He sees Silver Banshee in the crowd and immediately goes into panic mode as he tries to run away, but Blockbuster, another member of Reverse Flash's team, stops him from going any further. It leads to my favorite background line, I think, of any movie, where Blockbuster is approaching Steel Maxim, and in the background you hear someone go, is this part of the show? And another one goes, I'm into it! <laughs> <laughs> It's it's such an unnecessary bit, but it's so funny. And it, it's a great way to set up this chaotic fight scene. A lot of blows are exchanged. The teams are pretty much evenly matched. No one really gets ahead. 
and Harley drives in with the RV and another great joke. She drives into the club, creating a hole. And instead of driving out of the hole she created, <laughs> she tries to create a new hole. And, <laughs> and they finally get out after Captain Boomerang throws a boomerang at <laughs> Blockbuster's balls. It, it's, yeah, I call that all some new ball buster there. <laughs> there we go. Ball busting boomerang. <laughs> it, it writes itself. And they finally get away in the RV, but they're being chased by the reverse flash. Steel Maxim is in tow into the RV, but as they're being chased down by a reverse flash, Deathshot notices something. He realizes that he's able to, res- to see reverse flash running at him. They finally find a way to get away from reverse flash who was tiring down he crashes into a building and yep. gives up the chase this leads to the i want to say the best superhero origin story of all time <laughs> oh my gosh get, yes <laughs> yes steel maxim's backstory about how he got wrapped up with all of this he changed his name to steel maxim because he felt that in order to hide he must do so in plain sight even though he does have a Ankh tattooed on his lower back. And this Ankh <laughs> comes from the fact that he was at one point Dr. Fate. Yeah, there are many incarnations of the character, but basically if you get chosen by Nobu and he gives you a golden helmet, you get a bunch of mystical powers that since, you know, Superman's weak to magic, you could probably beat up Superman if you really wanted to. We see Steel Maxim is spending his time as Dr. Fate, just hitting on hot supervillains mm-hmm. and just... Including Silver Banshee, who he had the thing with. <laughs> yeah, that's why he was like, oh God, she's here. <laughs> and one night he invites over a Scandal Savage and Barda, was it? Was it Barda? Oh no, this was actually um, another member of the fourth world. Her name's Knockout. Um, she was trained by Barda in the, the comics, and that's why they're very similar in looks and whatnot. Yeah, they look identical. I was like, all right, I'm just going to call it Barda until the end of it. <laughs> Little Barda. <laughs> Little Barda. But he invited Scandal and Little Barda, thinking it was going to be a crazy night for him at the, the Fate Cave. But it turns <laughs> out they were there to steal a certain card, and he manages to fend them off enough and get away from them. But he loses his job as fate in exchange. And he reveals that's what they were after the entire time. They didn't steal any other magical items. They just wanted their hands on that card. And we learned that this card uh, literally has the words printed, get out of hell free. It is a card that allows you to bypass hell and gain access to heaven, regardless of what your sins were and what you did in your life. Whether this is true or not, we don't know. This is a running joke that does happen throughout the movie of just like, is this real? This can't be true. It's a card. It literally looks like something you might have lost in your wallet like seven years ago. So Deadshot calls up Amanda Waller, who is always on comms, asks her if she heard the whole entire story, and she reveals to him that she wants this card. Also, by completing this mission, they were only going to be given one year off their sentence. So Amanda decides to up the ante and offer... 10 years now off all of their sentences if they do this mission, which is a pretty big deal for Deadshot because this means for him, he will finally be free and be able to go see his daughter. Yeah, and it, it, it loops back because at the beginning of the movie, they make a point to say that Deadshot's been sending letters to his daughter, who is a teenager now. None of them are getting returned. So now he's even more desperate to get out. And right after the scene where he finds out his freedom is here, 
to have a really actually good philosophical conversation about the notion of heaven and hell between all these these villains and again you get bronze tiger who is deeply religious and he deeply believes that he's going to be judged for what he's done and you know they'll get into it a little bit later but all the other villains are thinking like you know if it's real couldn't hurt to have it you know (laughs) so now the the seed is in everybody's mind like maybe i do want to get my hands on this card maybe it could be useful in the future and unfortunately for them scandal and little barda have a plan with the card that involves professor pig the surgeon you definitely do not want to go to <laughs> yes we get introduced to professor pig a little earlier on where he's um he's working alongside two-face they're trying to recreate um the other half of two-face's face the so that he's now just one face the one ugly looking face <laughs> <laughs> horribly scarred and disfigured right because professor pig is the kind of guy or I guess, madman, who just really wants to, he finds beauty in horror. So all of his assistants, you just see them all just really disfigured because this is all the work that he's done. And they get, he gets kidnapped by Scandal and Little Barda. They take him back to their place. They reveal to him the plan that who they're working with and how that they just want him to do this one favor for them to, um, and that's the reason why he's been brought here. We get a chance now to see that Scandal and <laughs> I keep thinking a little Barda now. I already <laughs> forgot her real name. <laughs> yeah, but we see the two of them are in a relationship together. Um, so it, it seems like this is like kind of one of their the typical kind of like I guess like heist movie kind of feel, just like one last job and then we're out, kind of love between the two of them. Yeah, and unfortunately, because it's a Suicide Squad movie, nothing happy lasts too long. So the squad show up to kind of confront Scandal and knock out. And Vandal Savage, this classic immortal villain who has been immortal for how many years in this universe? And daughter is obviously Scandal. He says, all right, get that car by any means necessary. He sends in some armed goons to make sure that the job is done. And he orders one of the armed goons to shoot through knockout to take out the squad. And they mm-hmm. do it. They load up knockout with so many bullets. Oh, my gosh. And Scandal is horrified. Mm-hmm. Knockout only survives because she's from off planet and is stronger than the average bear. But <laughs> she still had got shot like a hundred times. And at this point, they don't know what they're going to do where an interesting mechanic comes in where Deadshot picks up the card and says, you can shoot me, but won't the card be used up? I also want to go back. Scandal is just like holding Knockout's body and pleading with him, pleading with her father to save her, to do something. He shows his true nature here at this moment and just says that he doesn't care about her and shoots her point blank. Yep. And Again, just he this is just a regular day for him. So he's like, well, back to business. Let me go after the the suicide squad who now possesses the card. And they're making their way back into an elevator. 
Deadshot is standing in front of everybody there. He's serving as like a, as, as a human shield right now, because they know that if he gets shot, this is it for the card. So at the very last second, he flicks the card away as the elevator is, is closing and Vandal Savage's team just lights up the whole thing. They're just shooting constantly. And the only way that they can escape is if they go down, which they finally get a chance to do after Copperhead releases some acid from his mouth. Yes, he has acid that shoots out of his mouth. (laughs) Sure, why not? And they're able to cut the lines on the elevator and make their escape. Yeah, at this point, the team is thoroughly distracted because Vandal Savage is getting away. And Vandal Savage, since he's been around for millennia he knows how to hide and never be seen again so reverse flash desperately races after savage and he has just enough speed to get to the blimp but after he puts a tracker on vandal savage's blimp you notice that he's bleeding and you're like okay this is kind of weird now you know he's slower he's bleeding what's going on with this dude he takes a second to breathe we cut back to the rest of the squad who is, you know, they're going through a little bit of some turbulence. And Deadshot says they have no leads. There's no way to find Vandal. So he tries to find his daughter and his daughter's roommate after offering him weed. This kid yes. is like 17 or 18, I think. Um, well, she looks 13, which is so weird. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how old this kid, the roommate's supposed to be. I'm like, I was also getting a little scared. We were going to do another Slade and Tara thing for a second. But luckily, Deadshot's just there for information. Mm-hmm. And he finds out his daughter might be at a trap house. <laughs> so he goes into a trap house to try to find his kid. And while he's searching, who should show up but his old teammate, Bronze Tiger. Yes, and the two of them get into a fight because we're now having another battle of morality and the issues of leaving your team in a moment like this. Bronze Tiger is by the book kind of guy, which is ironic to say because he is a cold-blooded killer. But he is really talking to Deadshot and just saying how, you know, we have to stay on mission. You can't just leave. At this moment, just two of them are talking. The team drives up. They're saying that we need to go. We have a lead. We need to make some movements and they head on over to a gas station. And also I want to say that Bronze Tiger also reveals his origin story at this point, Mm. that he was a just an operative that went around killing any person, you know, basically that was an enemy and he didn't care as long as they were enemy, no women, no children, he would kill them. And one day he infiltrated the League of Assassins, who Deadshot worked for. And apparently they give really bad benefits, which I believe, (laughs) uh, according to Deadshot. And while he was working for the League of Assassins, he was found out. So the Assassins killed his wife. He tried to kill Assassins, but killed another undercover operative and ended up in jail. So literally the only reason he's on the squad is because when he was trying to get revenge, he killed someone who wasn't actually a bad guy, which is... I mean, it's just awful. It's right. awful. It's it like just... his whole thing about not killing the innocent, but it's, it's like it's clear that this is what motivates him here at that scene. Yeah, he just wanted to get his wife back, and that's why Amanda Waller's like, you know, he has a good moral compass. I'll let him lead the team instead of Deadshot for what Deadshot did. And while they're stopped at a gas station, Killer Frost is abducted by the other team. Before I forget, one quick moment of like Easter egg thing. 
if you looked at the assassin who killed Bronze Tiger's wife, uh, you might notice that he has two eyes this time. Uh. Because, yes, it looks like Deathstroke was the one that killed Bronze Tiger's wife. <laughs> yep, and now he's dead. Yes. That's, that's what you get. Don't kill innocent <laughs> people's wives, guys. Ever. <laughs> ever. Just ever at all. Uh, we're at the gas station now, and, and while Killer Frost is in the bathroom, she's attacked by Silver Banshee instantly knocked out and blockbuster and silver banshee are now taking her back to the van where reverse flash is holding is now driving the vehicle because i guess he just ran out of speed (laughs) (laughs) yeah just using the the reverse flash mobile which is of course a white van it fits his character and while all of this is happening deadshot is in their own van and he gets a call from Scandal Savage giving him coordinates. And these coordinates apparently are where Vandal Savage can be found as you see her standing inside of a hospital, breaking down into tears as she's standing over the body of Knockout, who is hooked up to just every single kind of machine you could think of. Um, so it's just really just a heartbreaking scene there. Yeah, it's it's a great scene. And it it goes further to the the whole movie is about giving you another side of the villains, not necessarily saying they're good people by any mm-hmm. means. Oh yeah, no, but definitely not. <laughs> humanizing them and saying like, look, if you try, if your father shoots through your girlfriend, you're gonna want to get some revenge out of him. All the motivations make perfect sense, and that's what they do to appeal to Frost, because Reverse Flash's team has Frost, and they're like, look, here's the thing. I need you to help us with this mission with Vandal Savage. You're the missing piece. In exchange, I'll get this bomb out of your neck. And <laughs> Reverse Flash does his classic shaky, vibrating hand thing. <laughs> is able to go inside of Killer Frost's body, take out the bomb. And now that he has the bomb, he decides to get out of there and leave the bomb behind for the rest of the squad to find. Because we also find out that the bomb is also a tracking device. So the squad is rolling up to this house where they were able to, where the the, sense, the signal was being sent from, guided by Amanda Waller. Bronze Tiger is now leading the team because after the event of Deathshot stepping out to go find his daughter, Waller does not have any confidence anymore. She's clearly making decisions now that are very rash and just really wants to get this card. So she puts Bronze Tiger in the lead. He's taking the team through. People are checking it out. Copperhead is checking underneath the house. Everybody else is inside the house. And she tells the entire team, Amanda tells the team that they have about 30 seconds to find her. Otherwise, she's blowing the the bomb that's in her neck. They're not seeing anything in there. There's no trace of anybody living in there, anybody that might have stayed there. So fearful of what might come next, given the fact that this bomb is still registering that killer frost is in the house Deadshot pleads with bronze tiger to lie to amanda waller tell her that we might have a sight on killer frost and that we just need a little bit more time to confirm what's going on but amanda is just like i don't care we're doing this now yep she just blows up that bomb no hesitation yep and of course she hits the detonation button as Copperhead realizes the bomb is on the main house's gas line. The entire place blows up 
And unfortunately, Braun Steiger gets caught in the blast and is severely injured. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, they bring him back onto the vehicle that they're traveling in now. And he's just, you see the glass still <laughs> poking out from him. They, all they did was just take a bandage, just wrapped it around his body. We're like, we're not move, removing any of the glass. And it's at this moment where we have a continued conversation amongst the OG members of the Suicide Squad team, really between Deadshot and Captain Boomerang. who And they're talking about the fact that hey you know Deadshot you got your title back as the leader of the team and Amanda Waller is also on the comm saying that like you know you know it's okay to leave behind the dead weight because they're insisting that we drive him to a hospital so Amanda Waller also reveals that the coordinates that Deadshot gave her did turn up something so they're heading over to that location now which is the location of Vandal Savage's entire like I don't know his his savage cave i guess is really yeah, what i could call savage it. <laughs> savage hideout yeah and this is where you know the movie has been enjoyable up to this point this is where things take an entirely seven different levels of yeah. just increasing stakes because once they get there professor pig is dead instantly there's we don't know how we don't know what happened he's just dead so they go upstairs to try to confront savage over the card when they get there, Savage reveals that he has a big scar on his chest because he has sewn the card directly to his heart in such a way that if you try to take it, he'll die instantly and you don't get the card. So right now the stakes are like, what are these guys going to do? Suicide Squad clearly is going to fail this mission. But then there's another wrinkle. Reverse Flash runs in and has Killer Frost freeze vandal savage so he can use his hand thing to operate and take the card for himself but why is he doing this because he's already dead and this is such a crazy scene because we get a call back to our very first film in our series here where we flash back to reverse flash telling his story about he has a giant hole in his head he takes off his mask to reveal this giant hole in his head and this and right now he's been really just running on fumes and pulling the speed force into him to keep himself alive because he says that he was killed in another timeline by another batman and we get a scene back to flashpoint paradox of the thomas wayne batman shooting reverse flash in the head so all this time that we thought that reverse flash was gone he's been alive and kicking just manipulating things for who knows how long. And because he knows that he only has a little bit of the speed force left within his body, this is it. Whatever little speed left that he uses will bring him closer and closer to death. So the only way to save himself is to get this card, this get out of hell card, so that way he can never have to pay for any of the stuff that he did. And as we've known from Flashpoint mm -hmm. Paradox, he did a lot of stuff. <laughs> Yeah, in multiple realities. So mm -hmm. that must be like triple hell. Uh, so <laughs> he is just so desperate. And actually, man, they're as bad as he is. And this guy is horrible. He gets a great monologue where he's talking to Deadshot and going like, it's like I'm moving through a fog. Mm -hmm. Every step I take, I wonder, I feel myself slipping away from this earth. And it's even a monster, <laughs> like like 
Yuver Thon is given some humanity in this movie, this desperation to save his soul, even though he knows he's done way too many bad things. As soon as he gets this card, Vandal Savage dies, adding to our villain body count. And over the next few minutes, so much death, because Killer Frost betrays Reverse Flash, steals a card for herself, freezes Reverse Flash in place, kills Banshee and Blockbuster instantly. Mm-hmm. Amanda Waller is losing her mind. Copperhead gets free, tries to get Frost. She blows the bomb in Copperhead's head so she can kill Copperhead and Frost in one swift go. Deadshot finally frustrated shoots his way out of the ice he was trapped in and tries to get the card but boomer knocks him down and tries to steal the card for himself boomer tries to leave and somehow bronze tiger pulls enough energy maybe he pulled a little bit of speed force and tied to him too because he's (laughs) up fully injured and ready to beat boomerang so he can get that card back because he's an incredible fighter Oh, yeah. But he only gets a couple hits in because at that moment, Reverse Flash jumps in. And just when you just when Captain Boomerang gets like taken down, Bronze Tiger is holding on to the car. Reverse Flash jumps in and they're the two of them are now fighting in probably the most gruesome scene I think ever put in. This is again, if you didn't think this was rated R before, it is right here. The two of them are about to battle with blades. And as Reverse Flash goes over to grab a blade himself, he sees the big blade and he's just like, you know what? No. He legit grabs one of those like little knives that you usually like cut cheese with that I see in the fancy (laughs) restaurants and tells the dude that I'm going to kill you by death by how many? Was it a thousand or many cuts? He was going for the maximum amount of cuts. I think. I think he was going for a hundred, a thousand, yeah. but we just get the scene where he is running by Bronze Tiger and slicing him up as much as possible. Yeah. He, when this is over, Bronze Tiger, every inch of like open skin is cut. Mm-hmm. Bronze Tiger is holding the card in his hand, trying to keep it safe, but he he collapses like you would if you were cut a hundred times by a speedster after you were just blown up. And it looks like Reverse Flash has this one. But you can't count out a good shot. And by good shot, I mean dead shot. Because dead shot comes out and shoots Reverse Flash in the head. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute before we do that. Because we have to highlight Reverse Flash says... If Deadshot shoots him, he'll use his last speed. Oh, yes. Yes. And he's holding the card. So he's like, Deadshot's like, what the hell am I going to do? And what he does is he's ready to shoot. Bronze Tiger uses the little knife that Reverse Flash used on him, cuts off the Reverse Flash's fingers with a well-thrown blade, and then Deadshot shoots him in the head and, and like everywhere else oh. in the body i love this one this scene where it's just like he just basically shot it in a way that looked like an x so it's yes. just like that was a task force x hit right there yes and reverse flash goes down and with that last hit to the head he flashes back to flashpoint paradox where thomas wayne has just shot him 
bringing it all full circle. Now he's dead, dead. And so there will be no time paradoxes. He's still dead. And Deadshot goes over and he sees Bronze Tiger is definitely going to die. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> he's yeah. definitely dead. There, there is nothing that could bring him back at this point. <laughs> yeah, he needed a hospital yesterday. So in a really like stunning move, Deadshot gives Bronze Tiger the card to hold while he's dying. And at that moment, they're just talking amongst themselves about just, I really love this moment too, because instead of Deadshot trying to, you know, saying, trying to please tell him, to let him know that things are going to be okay or anything like that. He he knows that this is a, this is a terminal sentence going back to Amanda Waller's folder here, but he asked Bronze Tiger, what was your wife's name? So that that is the last thing that Bronze Tiger says. There's no pain in his voice. is only filled with love. So to hear that name and have that be his last words was just such a good move on Deadshot because it's, he, he just came through hell and back, went through war. And a lot of people will curse their way through. But to have it be like, I just, I know this is your last moment. I want it to be that you're having a moment where you are experiencing joy. So as he's holding on to the car, says his wife's name, Deadshot stands up to walk away because that is the last breath that Bronze Tiger takes. And then all of a sudden we start seeing Bronze Tiger start twinkling a little yep. bit. <laughs> some, some like uh, there's this light emanating from the car that Bronze Tiger is holding and engulfs his entire body and then immediately disappears. So now we're watching this and realizing that this card actually might have been real. Because yeah. even Deadshot is like, well, I'll be damned. <laughs> Such so appropriate. And Amanda Waller comes in. Uh, she she was on her route to the facility the whole time because she just wanted it so badly. Deadshot picks up the card. This line, ah, so great. And Amanda Waller takes it. And she goes, it feels cold. And Deadshot goes, it's a cold world. <laughs> <laughs> and walks away. A free man from the force. The scene ends with Deadshot now meeting up with his daughter. He's at he's <laughs> leaning against a car. His daughter is finally sees him for the first time in years. And there's no dialogue. There's no animation. It's just the two of them looking at each other. And but in that look, you can already see that like he's free. He's happy. And she's happy knowing that he's free and happy. And that is our movie. It ends with a Suicide Squad title screen again, getting shot up in Suicide Squad fashion. And it's just explosion after explosion of credits. So that's yeah. all you need. Yeah. And for those of you keeping score at home, 13 villains, 13 named <laughs> villains die in this 84-minute movie. I- incredible. Incredible. <sighs> 13 deaths. None of them felt cheap. Except the Ten-Eyed Mans, maybe that was a little little cheap shot. But besides that, <laughs> you know, 13 villains. There's It's total carnage. And the only question after this carnage is, how many dead shot headshots would you give Ooh. this movie out of 10? <laughs> uh, I'll be honest, I kept going back and forth, but I would really give this movie a 10 out of 10. I felt like this movie was just so much fun. The pacing felt great. 
there was some moments where it was just like a bit absurd but I, honestly it just felt like it, you couldn't have like that those moments need to happen in this film uh the only reason why i kept going back and forth was going into this movie if you had no idea of who the suicide squad was you know how they came together how were they formed or why amanda waller's leading in why she's pulling these certain people I think that is where the movie was lacking. But given the fact that we're on this journey, we kind of, you know, we've met some of these, we've seen at least some of these people before in other films in some in some ways. I think that really kind of put it at a 10 for me. So 10 headshots from Deadshot. <laughs> yeah, I I also, I went back and forth, you know, seeing if there's any, anything that was, was holding me back from that 10. And I, I, I'm going to say I'm going to give it, it, it's so cheap, but I, I got to give it 9.5. 9.5. Okay. There was a stray bullet that, that cracked and flew off. And the only reason I give it the 0.5, and it's something I, I wouldn't alter. It, this is a borderline RJ alteration, but there's really no way to fix it. If you have not seen Flashpoint Paradox before mm. this, then the reverse flash reveal is going to be fine, but it it it's not as effective if you haven't seen that movie. You you would have needed to see that movie to get the full the full force of that reveal. Yeah. Because there's so much there's so much else to that reveal that you're gonna miss. So for the sheer reason that you need to see that, you need something else to get here. That's why it, it's so close. It's so close for me. But if if somehow they could have given us a little bit more of the reverse flash earlier on for this twist, it would have been perfect. But I think because you need it, and I'm comparing it to our you know our other ten out of ten Batman versus Robin, our Universal ten out of ten. You don't need anything for that one. You can jump right. in and it, you'll be fine. Here, I think if you don't have that context, you're gonna lose a little bit just a little bit and that runs a little bit short but again all that to say out of any movie in the entire dc universe maybe this dc universe except for maybe flashpoint paradox i think i've seen this movie the most times because it's just so enjoyable you can just throw Mm -hmm. this on if you have a friend that has not seen any movies you can just throw them into this movie hell to pay and they'll have a good time please make them watch flashpoint paradox first oh yes definitely. <laughs> so they're completely with you but yeah this movie is easily accessible and i think yeah yeah that's my only alteration again is if they could make the twist more accessible for everybody early on perfect 10 out of 10 but besides that this movie is funny it's action-packed mm-hmm. it's a great plot the whole idea of you can't kill me because I have the card you need is fantastic. Overall, uh, it's it's good. It's a good movie. This is this is definitely top tier of the universe. Yes, because especially because we just had some great help coming in for the Suicide Squad. These like these are some freelance heroes, quote unquote, for these guys. Uh, and speaking about freelance, we're gonna talk about Fiverr. <laughs> Do you need a freelancer to help you with your website or WordPress site, or an expert presentation designer to help with that big work project? Or maybe you just need someone to write expert articles and blogs for that website. Look no further than the number one freelance marketplace, Fiverr. You can find designers, programmers, and more from seconds, some for as low as $5 per gig. 
Fiverr is the ideal tool to help you with your pressing projects. Just post your gig or search for freelancers and you're off to the races. Don't deal with the hassle of finding freelancers yourself. Let Fiverr help you. See the link in the description of this episode to get started. Please note that yet another DC animated podcast is an affiliate partner of Fiverr. We may receive commissions on purchases and services you buy after you click the link below. These commissions help support the growth of yet another DC animated podcast. So we appreciate your continued support. So that was our film. Now it's time to talk about that comic book knowledge as we go through the similarities and differences and the big pulls that created this film that we have here. And honestly, I'm just going to say this right now. There aren't too many great big pulls. (laughs) I think one of the greatest things about the Suicide Squad is just that there's no reason to really try to make their stories kind of flow in their sense, because it's just like, it's always going to be a whole new team whenever they're drafting people. It's always going to be different heroes. There's always going to be a different dynamic, a different mission. There's no reason to go through all the issues of like integrity and what does it mean to be a good person in society? No, this is Task Force X. This is the Suicide Squad. We don't care about any of that. We care (laughs) about the mission at hand, how to get it done, and how many people might have to die in order for this mission to get done. (laughs) Yeah, they are brutal, and that's what I love about it, that sometimes you can have stories where (laughs) you don't care about anybody, which has definitely been the case for some Suicide Squad stories for me, but this was one of the ones where I'm like, oh, man, not you, (laughs) Copperhead, come on. Uh, But we're going to talk about real quick, though, who, you know, what is the Suicide Squad? And we kept going back and forth on the name as we were talking about it earlier, but the Suicide Squad is actually, there's actually a running joke of a name. Ah. Yeah, it has always been called Task Force X, but it was always been referred to as just like, oh, here's Waller again about to send us out on another suicide mission. Might as well call us the Suicide Squad. But it was such a great sounding name that it just stuck. I mean, hey, you know what? For branding reasons, I get it. I get it. (laughs) That double alliteration, let's go. And the squad was first introduced back in September of 1959 with the comic Brave and the Bold, uh, number 25. And funny thing about that, it is a comic that actually did not have any of the Suicide Squad members that we see in in most recent years. There was no Harley Quinn. There was no Deadshot. There was no Boomerang. There was no Ten-Eyed Man. (laughs) What do they have on there? Polka Dot Man and... And uh, Tusk? Like, who, who, who was on the team? <laughs> none, none of those that you just listed. This team was actually a group of regular human soldiers led oh. by Rick Flagg Jr. Then this Brave and the Bold comic from number number 25, uh, they were actually just regular human soldiers who were sent out to fight against supernatural and supervillain-like threats that plagued society. It was two other soldiers plus Rick Flagg's love interests. <laughs> Oh, okay. That's why they did that in that 2016 Suicide Squad movie that everyone, everyone loves. And it's so much better than the 2021. I can't even say that. 2021 is much better, much better. (laughs) But yes, so Rick Flagg has actually gone on to later become a longstanding leader within the Suicide Squad. He got put into the team in recent iterations. And but going back to their first grouping, the team 
ran for a couple of issues and then they were revamped in 1987 by John Ostrander in Legends number three. And that's when we actually get a chance to see more of the supervillain team up here that happened with Captain Boomerang, Deadshot, and a couple other people. Blockbuster even was a part of this team. All right. In that they mostly faced off against, um, I want to say these comics in the very beginning started very political. Mm -hmm. Um, In the 1959 version, Rick Flagg and his team was facing off against something called the Red Wave. So... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I know where this is going. (laughs) Yes, so Soldiers, Red, the 50s, need I say more? But it continues because some other comics also had them face off against the... uh, I believe it was called the Nazi Wheel. It was a giant wheel... (laughs) <laughs> again we got very political with the suicide squad but then we finally got a chance to see who was really running behind it and that person has always been amanda waller amanda waller reason why this team is called task force x because amanda waller had about 10 different defense systems and this was one of them ah okay okay um and this is more of the new 52 origin story she found some documents revealing the existence of this team in the past and that also was led by rick flag jr and as even though brave and the bold number 25 saw it as the first introduction of the suicide squad they actually had an earlier introduction and i think this is actually when they actually face off against the nazi wheel um where rick flag senior led the team and on that mission unfortunately he sacrificed himself because, again, it is the Suicide Squad. And his dying wish was that his son takes over the team. <laughs> that, what kind of father is this? <laughs> what? I mean, still it's better a... than Cyborg's dad not taking any of the scholarship money. But <laughs> that's, that's true. Actually, yeah, yeah. It's a, a dad that does not accept millions of dollars in scholarship money for, so his son can play in the biggest arena in the United States for college. Yeah, that, that's worse than uh, <laughs> Rick Flagg Sr. So that got revealed in the story, uh, Secret Origins of the Suicide Squad. It was a little bit of a crossover. So we got a chance to see the old team and the new team kind of cross paths. And that's why Rick Flagg has always been seen as the leader of the Suicide Squad up until the new 52 version, where this is when we got a chance to see now our team that we saw similar to what the film had with Deadshot leading the squad. And his two kind of like leader backups of Captain Boomerang and Harley Quinn. Fun fact, Harley Quinn has actually was actually introduced into the squad in 2011 following the post-Flashpoint thing. Because just to be clear with everyone, Harley Quinn is a really new character. I think she's actually, we actually have, might have been friends longer than Harley Quinn's existence. Yeah, I know she came out in during the Batman animated. Right. And I don't know what the timeline of that Well. We'll check it later mm-hmm. on, maybe. Maybe we won't. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she's definitely born in the 90s. You know, mm-hmm. she's very, very new. So, and she seems like such a great fit for the squad every in every iteration. Yes. So before I go into just kind of like all the members of the team and whatnot, uh, we got to at least reveal what today's comic book story history is called here. Oh, yes. And this one is called... DC did it first, Expendables. <laughs> Suck on it, Stallone. <laughs> Even though full circle, Stallone was 
uh, the shark. Oh yeah, the he's shark in, yes in Suicide Squad <laughs> last week. So you know this this kind of fits. <laughs> yeah, and we're the team has always just changed so often. Hence why they are so expendable. <laughs> um, we've had cast members. We have people such as Black Manta, who we saw die in the Throne of Atlantis film. Um, we even had General Zod pop up in the more recent issues of being part of the team. But we always had the key people we've always had are Rick Flagg, but also Amanda Waller, Deadshot, Captain Boomerang, and Harley Quinn. Hey, Shamar here, just uh, borrowing some of Booster Gold's time travel tech. Wanted to let you know that Andrew and I realized that Black Manta did not die in Throne of Atlantis. In fact, he is alive and well navigating the submarine in the beginning of our film. Told y'all there was a submarine. Anyway, back to the podcast. What do I get? What do I press to get back to the future? So Amanda Waller was first introduced in 1986. She is always called Amanda the Wall Waller. And she's the most notable creator and director of this latest incarnation of Task Force X or the Suicide Squad. The reason why she is so cold hearted as we see in the film and not not only in the comics but also in the film because she got married pretty early in her life but that marriage ended in pain when two of her kids were killed to gun violence and her husband seeking revenge also was killed so she decided to break the cycle of violence in her community and her family and especially given the fact that she is a black woman this made it really even more poignant that so she made sure that the rest of her kids made it through college And once they were done, she went to college herself, earning a degree in political science and leading to the job that she has now in the U.S. government. Um, So she has definitely led a number of teams and a number of secret organizations within the U.S. government, that mostly being the Suicide Squad, but also she was a leader of Checkmate, as well as a team called, as some influence on a team called the Secret Six. I only really want to bring up the Secret Six right now because Scandal Savage was on that team. So this is actually the one big similarity that I saw from this movie and in the comics. Um, The team was created back in 1968, but we actually see the story arc between um, Scandal Savage and Knockout, that love between the two of them is kind of pulling from the 2006 story arc of Secret Six, the Devastation of the Six. And that was a lot of sixes, I just realized. <laughs> Six. Oh, God, you're going to summon Constantine if you're not careful. <laughs> and in that story, Knockout is shot by a sniper. And we find out that that sniper was hired by Vandal Savage because he wanted to make sure that his daughter continued his bloodline. And he felt that wasn't going to happen in the relationship that she had with Knockout. Right. Given that this movie was made in 2018, we can assume why we didn't go with this story route because Vandal would have been canceled. Oh, yeah, as he should be. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I'm pretty sure, I know you mentioned he was Genghis Khan at one point, but I'm pretty sure he was a Nazi. Like, oh, I yeah, wouldn't definitely. put it past him. Yeah, well, yeah, same. <laughs> so, this story ended up wrapping up with Vandal dying, with Scandal working with Deadshot to take him out. So, This is why I felt like this definitely was pulling a bit from this story arc, because 
we got a chance. This is our first time meeting Scandal in DC Universe. So, you know, what is what was one of her big moments? I felt this was probably one of her big moments because it continued on with this loving relationship that she had with Knockout. The thing that they did eliminate was this moment of sincerity and, you know, fatherhood that Vandal shared with Scandal saying that he wanted his bloodline to continue because Scandal's mother was his most beautiful and loved past partner. Because as we heard from the film, he ha- he's had, I don't know, like a thousand kids. <laughs> sure. Yeah. You work out the child support. We're not going to. <laughs> so he wanted that beauty to continue on um, because Scandal herself looked a lot like her mother. But Scandal wasn't having that because, again, you shot her the love of her life. So that scene and reading this story kind of put things in perspective of why that scene was included in the movie, because it made sense that why he was so cold towards knockout of why he just decided like it wasn't really just only focused on the card maybe it might have actually been connected to this like desire of continuing on with his bloodline even though it ended up being that like he really also didn't care for scandal in the movie it it seems as well Mm -hmm. uh the next thing too is that the secret six also had the first introduction of the get out of hell free card those sons of bitches. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we actually need to rename this movie, even though it has the coolest name ever, to include the Secret Six somehow, man. Like <laughs> Suicide Squad held to pay for the Secret Six <laughs> of the Savages. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and the this card first appeared in the Secret Six, as I mentioned, back in 2009. So given that this movie was released in 2018, I think the fact that they already were able to incorporate this into an animated storyline is just amazing. It's so good, dude. It's so good. <laughs> right. It's just surprising to see that we... Again, it's like one of the things I just love about these movies is that like a lot of these stories are so, so new. Like They're barely even hitting 10... 10 years of ever even being created, of ever even being fleshed out. And they're already sending them through and putting it out there for the, for people to see in different mediums. But yeah, going back to Amanda Waller, she's been leading these teams and, you know, she has her favorites. And those favorites, I think, are really kind of our Suicide Squad trinity here of Deadshot, Captain Boomerang, and Harley Quinn. So Deadshot, quick intro on him. He is a Batman villain. <laughs> Um, he actually started off pretending to be a vigilante when Batman was away from Gotham. I think Bats was in space at, or something at this point back in the 1950s and Batman number 59. He pretended to be a vigilante in Gotham. He was taking care of the villains by and all the, you know, the crazy people by unfortunately just shooting them and Gotham loved it because they were like, we don't have to deal with the whole rehabilitation and release and then the you know, the relapse that happens constantly that we see mm-hmm. in Gotham. Batman discovered that Deadshot was actually paying um, the villains in order to put up a performance like this. And he was actually the one that was operating majority of the crime. So that is why he was taken down. Deadshot then grew some grew some more fame and that included him getting a bit more of a backstory and also introducing his daughter so that's really a death shot story isn't complete without his daughter even the one where she was kidnapped by the the cobra gang so he teamed up with batman who he pleaded with to help him save her and batman's one and only rule was to not kill anybody Hmm. 
<laughs> I have a feeling I know what happened next. Yeah, this did not last long. Once his daughter was in danger, Deadshot killed the person and he willingly handed himself over to Batman, who arrested him and brought him over to Bell Reeve, a super prison for the enhanced. That is where Amanda Waller found him and offered him a spot on the Suicide Squad. I know Batman takes people to jail all the time, but it's just kind of hilarious that he would pull up to the jail and go like, all right, guys, here's this notable vigilante right here. You take care <laughs> of him. I'm going to go and punch out some more crime. It's like, okay, Batman, <laughs> have fun. Wait, what, what paperwork does Batman fill out when he chops <laughs> off? <laughs> They're like, oh, could you sign with your real name? And he goes, yeah, sure. Ah, uh, ah, <laughs> all right, guys, you almost got me that time. <laughs> Oh, man. And going on to more people being dropped off in jail, Captain Boomerang is next on our Trinity. He was first introduced in Flash number 117, uh, way back in the when, in the 1960s. There have been two versions of Captain Boomerang. Actually, there have been many versions, but really the two that stand out the most are Digger Harkness and Owen Mercer. I want to say that in the film, we got a chance to see more of Digger Harkness because one of the things that that like kind of like solidifies Digger's look is this beanie that he has on and this rather just like casual kind of wear that happens just to be filled with boomerangs. And also Digger Harkness was the one that was really a part of the Suicide Squad. He was one of the people that was added into the revamp that um, John Ostrander put together. And he's the version that probably has the most time with the Suicide Squad, while Owen Mercer, who is actually his biological son, just ran with them for about one mission after his father decided to hang up the the boomerang. <laughs> just put him in the closet. Right. They keep falling out and coming back to him. <laughs> oh, it sounds like my pantry. <laughs> uh, last person we have is Harley Quinn. Our, I think is the person who's probably gained the most popularity in the last couple of years amongst all the Suicide, Suicide Squad members. She was introduced in the Batman animated series, as we talked about, and just exploded onto the comics. I think currently she's at an appearance of over 2,300 comics she's been featured in. Yeah. So... They really wanted to make sure that she was a part of the team. And they did so by having her getting captured by Black Canary and taken over to Belle Reve, where apparently this is where Amanda Waller gets all of her people from. <laughs> <laughs> she goes shopping at Belle Reve for a few months. Yeah, Did you get anybody interesting? Oh, we have a sale on the 10 Eye Man and Tusk. <laughs> oh my God, that's a steal. <laughs> so Harley Quinn got introduced to the team in 2011 as a flashpoint as a post flashpoint introduction it was her way of trying to take a break away from joker make a name for herself and i think that during her time on the team this is why she started turning less into a villain more into an anti-hero and why now she's at some points there are iterations of her even working alongside batman because she has in a way kind of been reforming herself through the suicide squad program so are there benefits to being a part of the Suicide Squad? Maybe, you know, early parole, you get to do what you really wanted to always do anyway. And um, But we, we just can't really acknowledge the fact that they exist. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, you, you do have to survive. That is a, another big, big uh, question for the benefits. <laughs> you survive to go right back to jail until you work off your sentence. And the last thing I just want to share with you, Matt, is... Um, there's a part two to this movie. Excuse me? <laughs> yes. 
There is a comic, a 12-issue comic, by the name of Suicide Squad Hell to Pay. Oh, okay. <laughs> name so good, they never wanted to change it. And we find out in this story that Amanda Waller does find out that the card has been used. So this sequel comic is all about her restarting that journey with a whole new squad. And the craziest part about this was that even though they introduced some new members of the squad joining, there was a crossover with a lot of the members from Justice League Dark. Oh, okay. That makes sense. But yeah, that is, that's all our comics, the comic book knowledge that connected to it. Um, Suicide Squad is just like just a really fun story, and there are so many different issues and he- not heroes, but rather actually some heroes have joined the Suicide Squad. Um, but there are just so many different characters that are involved in the Suicide Squad that you always get a chance to see a whole new dynamic whenever you pick up one of these books and these comics. And um, I was just gonna say, if you're like us and you've been loving Superman and Lois, and you cannot wait for that finale tomorrow. It's coming. We're going to find out how the season ends. Then uh, you might be sad at our next movie because we're doing the death of Superman. <laughs> oh, man. This is, oh, this is heartbreaking. I'm not ready for this, man. I <laughs> We're going we're gonna to lose the boy in blue. He's been so cocky this entire time. What's going to happen here? <laughs> what is jacked enough to take down the most jacked man in the universe? <sighs> this is spelling out some doom right now. Oh, yeah. that That day is coming. Until then, take care of yourselves. Um, you know, make sure that if you have any hell to pay, you do so and change. <laughs> yeah, and if you find a card that can get you out of hell free, sell it for a lot of money. And oh, yes. <laughs> then donate half to charity so you go to heaven anyway. Win, win, win. Now that we've finished talking about our DC animated content, here are some recommended readings for you. All these comics and more can be found at your local comic shop, so remember to venture out and support your part of the source wall, and tell them Andrew and Shamar sent you. The first comic on our list is Suicide Squad Volume 1 The Black Vault. This 2016 collection of comics shows the team facing off against something that drives them completely crazy, and the only one that can save them is our resident therapist and mad princess of crazy herself, Harley Quinn. Next we have Suicide Squad Hell to Pay. Not Arch Film here, but this 12-issue comic is a direct follow-up to it, as Amanda Waller discovers that the car she received has been used. She's now hunting for a new one as she enlists the help of a new squad and some of the heroes that we met in our Justice League Dark film. Finally, we have Batman Assault on Arkham. Although not part of the DCAMU, this original animated film is the first Suicide Squad movie to be created and it's such a fun watch, especially if you enjoyed Hell to Pay and the live-action version from 2021. That's all for our list. Thank you for listening and be sure to rate, review, and follow yet another DC animated podcast. Also, interact with us on social media for news on upcoming content. Take care and we'll see you for the next issue.